0: This is the After Hours Director Spotlight, presented by Amro Music. It's the podcast where we chat with music educators to celebrate the joy of teaching music and learn about strategies for success. This week, Nick Averwater continues his conversation with Wes Lowe, Director of Instrumental Arts at the King's Academy in West Palm Beach, Florida. Wes grew up as a student at the school and joined the faculty in 2019. He was recently named to the 2022 Yamaha 40 Under 40 list of music educators and directs bands at the elementary, middle school, and high school levels. In this episode, Wes talks about the popularity of jazz among the students and their audiences, and will also learn about the marching band program at the school and some of the high-profile venues where they've performed. Our conversation was recorded July 5th, 2022, Broken up into two episodes, and this is part two.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit more about some of the strengths at your program. And I know that the jazz band is something, I mean, I've seen the list of people that you've invited in your program, some really big names there. And obviously, you take them out, you perform, you do things with your jazz program. So, was, was jazz always a priority there at the King's Academy, or is that something sort of you developed? And how has the program, how has that ensemble now been positioned within the school? Uh, as as a part of the student um, enrichment opportunities there at the King's Academy?
2: So it, the program actually kind of shifted um, when I came on board at the school, and we we found out that jazz related the most to our, not only to our school community, but to our local outside community around the school. And we also found that the students just loved playing jazz. You know, when when we introduced it to them, they fell in love with it. So it it, it quickly grew to a to a large um, big band, and then we just looked for ways to to showcase them. So we would take our jazz band out to the to our communities, to different retirement homes, to different our elderly communities, and perform for them. And you know they. They would love it. They would love when we would come out. They would request us to be back um, each year. And then we would produce uh, what we call a night of jazz show, which is just our big band jazz ensemble. And we'd play probably 12 to 14 charts and produce a show just on jazz and jazz music. And we would encourage those people that we went out to into the community to come to our show. So it was almost like a give and take. We'd go out, perform for them, and then we'd ask for them to you know, buy a ticket and come see us. And so that momentum of doing that and having the students see how much impact that music could have on our audience really helped build momentum into that program. And in doing so, we were able to bring in guest artists like Duffy Jackson on the drums and Wayne Bergeron on trumpet this past year. And introducing these type of professional artists to our students is so inspirational to them because they they get to work one-on-one with a professional who's doing this now. And for Wayne Bergeron's case, who's recording on all these soundtracks. And so being able to have conversations and to realize that he's not that much different than you guys are he started in band just like you and he had to practice and you know he you know he has to like get through different you know self doubts and stuff like that it's really great for the students to experience so in doing all of that you know our jazz band's really taken off and when covid hit we found that the jazz band was also a great tool for us to still bring joy to our community so we were able to produce an outside an outdoor concert uh in our kind of like downtown area for our local community and we were able to do different stuff do virtual videos and just be able to keep producing music and to kind of still spread that joy that we have when we perform to our audience so we've kind of like we found that you know that jazz it works well, and we've kind of just kind of pushed on that and kind of maximized that to our biggest potential that's great and
1: it sounds like it's something that you kind of had to unpack and unlock when you arrived there at the king's academy and you mentioned a line earlier that I want to kind of come back to and relate it to this conversation and, and is that the question is 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 this good for our students right and You challenged mm-hmm. and asked that question earlier. How did you know? Because obviously you graduated from the King's Academy, and it sounds like there was not the jazz interest at the time that you graduated, that there was today. Mm -hmm. Uh, You recognized that need within your school, which is what I want to understand. What did you see... That kind of turns you onto this. Hey, I think there's a potential. I think there's an opportunity, and I'm going to change a little bit the direction of our program. And it worked with huge success. You had Wayne Bergeron, a guy with a trumpet named after him, come in and play <laughs> with your jazz band. So cool for your students. Um, but obviously, you recognized a change in direction earlier in your career, and went about making that change. So what did you see?
2: Sure, you know, and I'm not a jazz player. I'm a tuba player. That's my main instrument. You know, I'm not you know i'm not some big jazz person but when i was looking at the program and especially looking at students these days you know a lot of students don't want to go outside and do marching band or work you know and do all this extra curricular stuff you know they would rather just be inside playing music and that's kind of what i saw within my students here at my school and i and i just realized that hey our jazz band can do more that not most you know can do more than what most programs can do like in the sense where we can perform more and we can be able to have this outlet that we're not only being able to go into the community but we can produce high level shows and bring in guest artists so like i had that vision of like we can take this group and make it such a big thing and hopefully try to make it a premier ensemble and like we should be you know focusing our our efforts on that because that's what our community loves and that's what our school loves and even you know when I was in the program everybody loved the jazz band everybody like you know taps their toe when they hear the jazz band and and for me I was like let's double down on it let's see if we can really take it and take it to the next level And, you know, it requires a lot of other things to be in place. It requires a lot of the fundamentals and the students to be able to play their instruments well, which we work a lot on in concert bands. But then it's just an outlet for students who are really dedicated and um, just to give them something that they could really take off in.
1: So for you, it was a, a, you noticed a little bit of a shift in, in the types of ways that students wanted to be engaged with music, and you felt like jazz band was the best way to kind of meet them at that engagement level. Am I articulating that clearly? or am I misreading it?
2: No, I think um, that's spot on. And I think you know they, they realized that jazz for me was the most accessible. For the students that they really love playing that music and it encouraged what and what kind of really showed me like hey this is the direction that we should be going is when these students would come in during their breaks or during their lunch time to practice their jazz music or to practice improv um and then when like when kids are giving up their free time to practice i'm like okay (laughs) there's something here there's something here that's that's working and i think it's just it's it's all about building momentum you know so for me like i feel like okay the momentum's built in the jazz program now what can i go back in to our concert program what can i do now there to build that momentum with them as well
1: yeah. When you when you made that transition and, and now to an ensemble that, that gets old, I mean, you travel with them, you're bringing in artists, so obviously this is a group that, that uh, gets uh, – receives some resources and some focus from you. It, was it at the expense of an, another area in your program? Did you say, hey, we're going to do less of this in order to do more of this, or how did you structure that?
2: Yeah, no, that's a great question. So for us, it, we we had to do – because for for a, for a smaller school, it's all the same students who are who are doing everything. It's the same kids that are in the jazz band, that are in the uh, symphonic band, that are in the marching band. So we kind of had to retailer our marching band in a way, and I think part of it was to accommodate more of the type of students that we are seeing now. Um, so we kind of had to do less marching band a little bit and repurpose it, so we can. A, do more uh, jazz bands, but also we felt like when we took a step back from um, marching band it kind of made it more of a ceremonial marching band where we would do parades and halftime shows where we're not doing much movement, like we're, we're working alongside of our dance team and having them come in and do some of the movement aspects. We're able to focus more on the student's musicianship than worrying about marching technique so for us we had to take a step back in the marching band and i put a step back in quotation marks because we we did that on purpose because we we wanted to find ways to showcase them outside of the traditional competitive marching band circuit
1: yeah did you get pushback? I mean, here you are, this young educator at the King's Academy, pretty early in your career, and all of a sudden you're, you're tinkering with the formula a little bit. Was there was there parents or boosters or groups that came in and said, "Now, now hold on, Wes, we've done marching band a long time, and I don't know how I feel about this change."
2: Yeah, sure. There's always there's always pushback to change. Nobody likes change unless you have to, unless when you're in it, you know. Nobody likes to, you know, be able, you know, want to change something because it it requires you to get outside of your comfort zone. And so there was pushback, you know, especially from parents and, and from a, a handful of students, but I think once they saw the benefits of what we could do in terms of our jazz program and what we can do in terms of our marching band and take it into another level in a sense where we could perform for larger audiences, um, then they got on board with it. So I think being able to articulate and share the vision is super important when you're wanting to make a change.
1: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your marching band now, because um, I have to imagine that, that you probably didn't say, okay, now I'm going to put this on the back burner. I'm not really going to put a lot of priority in it. But you said, okay, how, how can I get more bang with less time and continue to engage mm-hmm. with the students? you know, with the marching band. So how did, did you tinker with the marching band formula to say, hey, we we want to continue to be fun, we want to be relevant, we want to be visible in our community through the marching band, but also recognize that we can't put 30 hours a week into a competitive marching band show. So how have you landed on a good formula for your marching band?
2: Right. and And we're still adjusting. We're still trying to find what that right Formula is because it again, especially after COVID, it's so hard to convince students to get off their couch or get outside to to practice marching, you know. And it's and you know you know I always take a step back and I'm I'm reflecting like what are we really training our students here to do, you know? Because some of it it's we seem like we just do it for our own sake because we did it when we were in band, um. But I'm always of the mindset, like, is that the right way to go or is there something better? And so what we found out is, hey, instead of just performing at competitions every Saturday, why don't we try to go and play at professional league games? Why don't we try to go and do a halftime show at a Miami Heat game where there's tens of thousands of fans? And same thing with when we do a parade at Disney World. It's great because we're you know we're in a location that's really close to Disney you know and to professional sporting leagues that we can kind of use those avenues to build up our program and to showcase our students and provide these experiences that they're excited about because every time when we finish the Disney parade they 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 don't want it to end they love performing there and same thing when we do a Miami Heat halftime show. It's like these experiences is what I think we should be looking for as directors of how can we showcase our students in a proper light.
1: Yeah. Well, I I love the question there that you're challenging is, you know, what, what are we trying to accomplish or, or is we just doing mm-hmm. this simply because it's the way it's always been done? And it sounds like for you, I mean, of course, there's a wonderful um, role that competitive marching band plays in that it creates, you know. Wonder, it, it teaches wonderful things in our students. It gives them wonderful sure. experiences. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want this conversation to come across or my questions to be one is better than the other. But it sounds like for you, you have said, okay, what are the experiences? What am I trying to teach? And then what are some alternatives that we can find and seek that meet those needs without committing every Saturday for eight weeks in a row of our students' time?
2: Right. And I think it's, it's important to, to assess your own program. Some programs, they need that competitive marching band. That's where the camaraderie and that's where a lot of the teaching of fundamentals is formed. So like you said, I don't want it to kind of diss competitive marching band because there are schools that it's beneficial for and it's needed. Um, but I think it's, again, it's, it's assessing your own program and making choices that benefit your own students. That's, that's the most important thing. Yeah. And so for us, you know, it, it's it's taking a step away from the competitive side and trying to find experiences that the, the students will enjoy um, and being able to spend less time doing so. Because at a private school, the kids want to participate in everything. <laughs> they want to be on the basketball team. They want to be in every honor society. And they want to just be able to do everything. And in order to accommodate that, we can't have rehearsals every day after school and every Saturday. So that's, that was one of the, the reasons why we shifted, too, was, okay, how can we still have a marching band but not rehearse every day?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. All right, so, Wes, let me ask you this. I mean, tell me about your shows visually. I mean, because I, I get the impression that student engagement is very important to you. Do you, do you maintain kind of those... Um, those really um, kind of flashy visuals to try to maintain some of that within your students? Or do you kind of more focus on the traditional parade? Because it sounds like that's where you take some of your your um, your students to perform.
2: So we we do a traditional parade, okay. you know, and again, we do that at Disney World, which is really exciting for all the students. And then when we do a halftime show, we do, we have a visual element, but it's different than most marching bands so what we do is we have our students kind of set in place kind of almost they're in like almost like a v-shape where they kind of like box in uh where we have dancers in the middle so we we our goal is to create more of like a super bowl halftime show if that makes sense so we will have a rhythm section in the back with drum set bass guitar electric guitar and all different types of percussion instruments. And then we'll set up our band alongside and then have dancers performing. This past year, we we introduced and we, we had a singer um, sing with us and, and had the band still playing. So we did Queen's Don't Stop Me Now. And it was great because the students loved it. We were able to incorporate our dance department and they brought their dancers in. So we had like 15 to 20 dancers dancing with us. And then I always love to kind of, again, it's important to create a visual effect. So we did those in a couple different ways. We did some slight movements with the band, not not anything, not much at all. But we would do, like at the beginning of our show, we had um, red smoke that kind of set the stage. And then we looked into getting some type of... Uh, Fireworks isn't the right word, but it's like a pyrotechnic fireworks that kind of explode from the bottom up. So we wanted to create you know, a halftime show, a Super Bowl halftime show feel with it, which is not typical for your um, standard marching band.
1: Yeah, but I have to imagine the students probably had a ball doing that. And here, the school sees you connecting with other aspects of the school. You're incorporating the dance program uh, into the band performances. And I have to imagine it was, ju- it was just a totally fun show, that your parents loved it, the, and, and everybody that was involved was like, man, this, this is a ton of fun. Yeah, we're not marching on Saturday, but we're having a great time on Friday nights.
2: Yeah, no, and they, they loved it because, A, they understood what was going on? Because yeah, sometimes when you do a competitive show, it's hard for the audience to fully understand the concept of it, you know. And again, that's just something with my school. They they really wanted to understand <laughs> what was going on and to be able to. Oh, I get it. It's just like a Super Bowl halftime show yeah. with them singing Queen. So yeah, and what I find when I'm looking at a program and assessing like. There's three aspects that we have to account for. We want the students to be happy, you know, we want the parents to be happy, and then we want our school, you know, our administration and like school community to be happy and excited for it. So if we can like hit all three of those checkboxes, then we're gonna be in good shape as a director. And for me it it was it was going more of a modern route and trying to do more contemporary popular songs that the whole Those whole three checkpoints got checked off on.
1: yeah, I absolutely love it. I'm gonna have to go find some YouTube and see if I can find somebody that's recorded one of your shows because i'm I'm sure it's just again just a ton of fun. Parents are having a ball. they see their students out there performing.
2: And I think you hit on um another point that I would like to jump on is recording. So I spent you know I had a actually a professional team come in and record my students doing this show and i think that's something we as directors should really focus on it's almost the last thing we focus on when we're preparing for a concert or preparing for a show is capturing it like these students put so much hard work into preparing these shows and these concerts and this music and all that's left is sometimes uh, a grainy iphone recording of it and i think if If we put emphasis on recording it and putting up on YouTube and and sharing it on our social media and, and the students can do that as well and they want to, the more momentum you're going to build within your program. So I think capturing your shows and your performances is crucial, especially in this day and age.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And then, as you mentioned, it it does provide you with content and fodder going back to the mm-hmm. recruiting element. You talked about trying to create a visual to where the students can right. be later down the road when you were talking about recruiting fourth graders. And here you are intentionally capturing those moments so then you can go back and share it with the next generation of musicians.
2: Right. And it's, and it's inviting those younger students, if it's fourth grade, if it's sixth grade, to your shows. You know, to our, you know, I invite all my fourth grade, and I said, I'll give you a prize if you bring back a program if you come to our Night of Jazz show or if you, you know, come to our halftime show and come in support because then they get to see and hear what they can become.
1: Yeah. As you're looking at this, and this is not a topic I had teed up, but it's one I want to dive into if you don't mind. I mean, obviously, you're teaching at a faith-based institution. We have I graduated from a faith-based institution myself, so can completely relate to the environment that you're teaching in. We have a lot of private schools here in the South and a lot of small rural communities where faith is a, is a cornerstone. Um, so obviously, I imagine that there's times where, as we're talking about the engagement, what you're wanting to put out on the field— you know, the students are relating and engaging with one type of content, right, one type of music or a certain type of music that perhaps doesn't necessarily meet the school's criteria or what would become acceptable. Uh, how do you strike that balance between, um, you know, keeping your students and engaged and also not getting some angry emails from parents or your principal?
2: <laughs> it, it's, it's a tricky balance every year. And every year when we're, I'm trying to f- decide on a halftime show you know it's almost going through a checkpoint of like okay will this song pass and it's getting harder and harder to find clean music that even the school will get on board with so I think it's 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 doing a lot of listening and it's doing a lot of research and it's trying to figure out okay this song is upbeat this song will work with our crowd and it's also clean or clean enough that the school can be behind it yeah. because it, it is it's like you said it's tricky finding especially contemporary music that um, the school will support or at least be behind,
1: yeah, but uh, obviously a cautionary tale for young educators in those types of teaching environment that is another layer of complexity that you got to be cognizant of when you're selecting show tunes or stand tunes or uh, things like that
2: and and always always ask you know for permission Like never like have try to build a good enough relationship with your principal or with your uh, dean or headmaster or whoever's over top of you and just have an open line of communication with them and kind of share your vision and kind of say hey will this work you know because you always if you can do that then at least you can pass the buck off to be like well they signed off on it
1: yeah yeah Well, Wes, it's hard to believe, but we are approaching the 50-minute mark here. Uh, I'm having a ton of fun in this conversation. But before we wrap up, one of the things I would just love to ask is, you know, do you have any closing thoughts or final advice that you might like to share with other music educators in the community?
2: You know, I think I've probably hit on this earlier, but again, I think it's just looking at your own program and doing what's best for your own students, even even if it means going against completely what's the norm. You know, be, be willing to try and do new things because that's where we find new successes and we find ways that we can showcase our students. So I think if we're not so worried about what we've done in the past and we focus more on our students and trying to put our students in the best possible light, then we're not only going to create a better program for our students, we're going to hopefully create a more healthy program that encourages creativity and innovation. And it will keep band fresh and keep it uh, new and exciting for students to want to be a part of. So that's just my encouragement to always kind of look and see what you can do. That might be different than what you've done in the past and always reassess and aim and dream big because, That's when things can really work out and happen and make a successful program.
1: Yeah, Well, it certainly seems like something that you're living by, a mantra that you're living by and having a ton of success because in the short period of time that you have been there, only a few years there at the King's Academy, it sounds like uh, you all are just reaching new heights. The program's going in a fun, exciting direction. The kids are totally engaging. And by the way, you've got more kids enrolled in music. So absolutely great stuff going on there. Well, Wes, I appreciate your time so much. I'm just uh, so excited to hear about some of the great things going on in your program, and I look forward to following your future successes in the upcoming
0: year.
2: Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on.
0: That's Wes Lowe, Director of Instrumental Arts at the King's Academy in West Palm Beach, Florida, talking with Nick Averwater on the After Hours Director Spotlight, which is presented by Amro Music, a family-owned company since 1921. At AMRO, we work with over 600 schools in eight states to bring the joy of music to thousands of young musicians, and these partnerships make production of the After Hours podcast possible. Our director services department is ready to work with your school, too. Just email alan at amromusic.com or seth at amromusic.com. The After Hours podcast is produced by Nick Averwater and Joel Hurd in Memphis, Tennessee. You can hear many more conversations with music educators at amoralmusic.com slash after hours. Hey, if you enjoyed today's
1: episode, here are two easy and fast ways you can support the After Hours Show. First, your five star review means a lot as it helps to boost us in the podcast rankings so that other music educators, just like you, can find us. Second, if you thought of someone that would enjoy this week's content and episode, Hey, please share it with them so that they too can be a part of the After Hours community. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.